Do you know how much you will spend as a company over the next five years on your healthcare expenses? Hey, everybody. It's John Millen. I want to share something. I had a great call yesterday with a very knowledgeable person in the industry. And um, before I start, this is going to be related to major medical costs, benefit costs for companies. And it doesn't matter if you have five employees in your benefits program or 5,000 or 500,000. I think it's relative. So that sizes doesn't matter. The industry doesn't matter. But I will say this. If you're at a point where you're like, I don't think there's anything we can do. It's just the way it is. It's 8 to 10%, 12% a year. You can turn this off. Seriously, like if you're there, I, I understand it because it's frustrating. And I've met many people that are like that. Like, there's nothing we can do. What are you talking about, John? I don't, you know, you're just another salesman trying to pitch some new shiny object. There's nothing we can do. So if that's you, just go ahead and turn it off because your mind isn't even open to like, what, well, what if it's, what if possibly, what if there's a small potential? All right. I'm going to say 90% chance John is full of crap, but I'm going to leave 10% just in case. Maybe listen to it like that, okay? Because um, I don't have all the answers. I'm not the smartest person in the world. I don't have the one single thing you can do. But I'm fascinated by this issue, and I got burned myself in the past with health insurance. And I've seen over the years since I've been in the employee benefits industry in some form for almost 20 years that it frustrated me. I'm like, God almighty, I'm not the only one that got burned here. Like there's lots of people getting, sorry, screwed over year after year. And everyone's kind of thinking like there's nothing you can do. Like that's just the trend. And I got tired of it. So let me start. There is a, think about um, like a, a, a value proposition or an ascension um, up a mountain or like a value ladder. I don't know if you can think like stair steps up, like up and to the right. And think about uh, that these are different strategies that are opening up to people, to companies, to combat the 10% or 12% annual inflation from medical. So if you're mad about that, you're like, this is ridiculous. Like, we barely use the plan. We're all healthy, and yet we got a 14% increase. Then listen through this. Okay. Now, some of these strategies have been around a long time. You just don't know about them. And I tell people, you just don't know what you don't know. I mean, just because you don't know about something doesn't mean it's not true, right? It just means you didn't know about it. Um, because that I get that a lot. Like, how, how come I didn't know about this? Well, you don't know. You can't know everything about every issue. So just because you don't know about something doesn't make it not true. So some of these ish- things have been around. Some of them are migrating downstream, meaning to smaller companies. So they've been around for a long time. Now, if you don't work for Walmart and you don't manage their benefits or your broker doesn't manage benefits for Walmart or Target or McDonald's or these big global enterprise corporations, you're never going to hear about them. Um, and so some of these tactics, when you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars in healthcare, not just tens of thousands it's magnified, right? So this is an issue across all sectors for the most part. Unless you're like in Silicon Valley where you have so much money, it doesn't matter. Then a 10% increase is, is, is dust on your, on your balance sheet. Okay. Um, as Craig has said before on my podcast. All right. So the first step is fully insured. This is where no matter what size you are, right? You can be, you can be a pretty big company with several hundred employees or just a small company with three This is where the insurance company, whatever insurance carrier, takes on most of the risk you pay to be a part of that pool of risk, and you are going to be rated based mostly on the the pool of risk and the trend of healthcare going up. For instance, 
if you have less than 50 employees in your company, you're in what's called a community-rated pool. And it just means you have very little control about your costs going up or down or up in the future. Very little control. It's part of the community. You're put in a big pool. So if you're a really unhealthy group with lots of expenses and lots of meds and lots of usage, you're not going to be penalized because you're in the big pool. If you're a really young group with very healthy people and you have wellness programs, you do all these things, you're going to be you're going to be penalized because you're in the pool of, with sicker people, so it's blended. Okay, that's the community. That's less than 50 employees. Now, if you have over 50 employees, between let's say 50 and 250 total employees, then you're in kind of a mid-market, a mid-size category. Now, you're still fully insured, meaning you're paying your premium every month to the insurance company. They're taking on the risk. And then there's really nothing left over. If there is, they keep it. But typically, there's an increase every year. Or maybe it's flat one year or two. Like there's no increase or a small increase. As you get a little larger, as you go from 50 to 100 employees, 150, 200, 250 employees, 300, roughly in that range, then it's a little bit of a mix. You're mixed with your own usage, maybe let's say 25% based on your own demographic, how much you guys use that thing. And then you're blended with the trend in the marketplace, might be 5%, like costs go up 5%. Now we can talk about that later, but doesn't have to, but let's just say the, they say 5% just because of the inflation. And then the rest is the community. So, hey, you're based in um, San Diego and the people in San Diego, our cost generally in this community pool went up 3%. So it's blended. It's different than being under 50, but it's blended. And that's helpful because as you have over 50 employees, 50 eligible and you're now rated not in the what's called small group market you're in the mid-size or middle mid market they have different names for it that can be into your benefit and that can be to your to your disadvantage it all depends on the strategy right it doesn't mean as you get bigger your costs go down because you're leveraging people think oh you know we need we need hundreds of people on our plan because that means all of our costs go down because we have more people in the plan maybe maybe not like not to get too technical, that may not be true. It's 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 a little bit, it's a strategy for each company. And that's why you have advisors. That's why you have brokers that hopefully know this stuff and can can tell you, hey, this is gonna be better for us or this may be worse for us. And sometimes you can't you can't change it because it's the carrier rules. Okay. And then if you get above, you know, five hundred, a thousand, two thousand, three thousand, then it kind of it, it the dynamics change. But what I'm talking about and where most of our clients, where we like to serve and where we're best suited is small and mid-sized companies. Small being 10 people, mid-sized being 500, 700. You know, if it gets much, if it gets much over 500 or 1,000 employees, then that's a different category. And that's just not what we play. And that's not where my expertise is or my, my ideas come from. Although you could certainly use these if you're in that. If you have 5,000 employees... The concepts I'm going to talk about this this evolution is entirely relevant to you as well. So you have fully insured, and then as you're in that fully insured market, meaning the insurance company takes on the risk. Now, what happens when, when you give risk to somebody else on purpose, when you say, hey, you take the risk, what happens to your cost of insurance? It goes up. They're hedging. They have to. Otherwise, they go out of business. They have to hedge on the negative to you and to us that it's going to be a little more expensive because what if you have a triple bypass surgery 
and it just blows out all the money that we collected and we have to pay it all in. So you're going to pay overpay for that comfort. And that may be fine. I'm not saying that's bad. It's just kind of the, there's that risk that you've pushed over to them. So that's the fully insured market on a small group, mid group, large size group. Okay. Then you've heard terms like self-insured, self-funded, level funded. This is the second category. And what this is, is you're sharing the risk with the insurance company. You're saying, okay, I want to take a little risk on from the company standpoint, which would lower my costs in exchange for that lower rate. And then you have different options. So in the self-insured market, now when I, now this gets people all tangled up um, because in the past, people are like, oh, I only have 75 people on my medical plan. I was told I can't be self-funded until I have 250. Remember, things are changing. So what you may have in your brain, if you're not open to, to new information, it may not be accurate. So the self-insured or also called level-funded um, or also called self-insured, self-funded. Like these are all definitions where you're not giving all the risk over to the insurance company. You're keeping some and then you have mechanisms typically called stop loss insurance that gets layered in that protects you for the big risk. So like a heart attack. Oh my God, if someone has a heart attack, we're all in trouble. Well, Maybe, maybe not because you, you build that in with another layer of insurance called stop loss. Not to get too technical, but just understand there are some mechanisms. You're not like totally responsible for all the claims. Th- that would make no sense um, for most people. So that is your level fund. Now, when I say level funded, that just means the cost you pay for 12 months is level. You've baked in in your calculation, hey, I want to be, be safe I'm probably going to pay a little bit more every month. So at the end of the month, it may be right on track, meaning how many claims come in and how many how many um, claims come in and how much premium gets deposited that we're probably okay. Maybe you get a little bit of a refund. That's level funded. It's a, a little bit of a baby step from fully insured because you have the protection of not having monthly swings in your cost. Okay, so that's level funded. A true self-funded platform and typically these are going to be the larger size larger companies 500,000 2,000 5,000 10,000 and above right that's where the month-to-month fluctuation can occur because every month it's reconciled essentially so one month you may have to pay over for the cost of insurance the extra insurance the admin fees you may have to pay ten thousand dollars the next month it may be eight the next month it may be 22 so it goes up and down and that's what could be scary for companies that don't have cash flow or don't have the reserves that could really be in trouble so that may not be a good fit for some companies but for the big big companies that have billions of dollars coming in no big deal to have a little bit of a swing every month because they have the cash flow to cover it and they're taking, they're getting some advantage from that, right? They're not paying quite as much. So we got fully insured. We have self-insured. Now here's the third category. I'm sorry it took 11 minutes for me to get to this. So if you're hung in, you're going to get the gold here because this, this is the best stuff. Most people at this point are like, yeah, 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 I've heard that. Okay, great. The third step up this ladder, up this proposition or up the strategy mountain, right, is what's called referenced-based pricing rbp rbp reference based reference based pricing reference based pricing has been around 
for a long time, if you're familiar with Medicare, this is what Medicare essentially does. Now, don't get twisted. Like if you're an expert in Medicare, like essentially, conceptually, when my dad, who has Medicare, has to call the ambulance to come to the house and take him to the hospital because he twisted his ankle, the cost that he pays, the cost that the ambulance company gets reimbursed from the insurance company is dramatically lower than what I would have to pay or what it would cost for me. Because essentially, the providers, meaning ambulance, physicians, the facilities, can only charge um, what the Medicare allowable rate is for that issue. So for instance, an ambulance pickup, just to keep it simple, to pick up my dad, may mean the insurance company can only get reimbursed $89. But when I use it, the insurance company, whatever they charge, it might be a $625 charge because that's what they have, have, have negotiated. So there's a huge swing in cost, right? That's Medicare. Been around a long time. Reference-based pricing is built on the concept of Medicare. It's built on when you go to get services, you are paying a percentage above Medicare. So, you, so the government has to get the best deal. So you can't be at the Medicare level legally because the government gets the best deal when they negotiate contracts so what they do is you say okay i'm going to pay 130 percent of whatever the medicare rate is or 150 percent some variation so 150 percent of medicare on that 89 dollar ambulance visit would be what 100 percent is 89 dollars and half of that is roughly 40 so you're at 120 dollars a month or 120 dollars for the charge so that's the allowable amount that gets charged to your insurance. Hope you're following this. So what does that mean? That means when I call the ambulance because my wife breaks her ankle and I'm on a group health plan from my employer, that plan is getting hit with six or $700 charge when that happens, right? Um, now it may get, get negotiated down and I have to pay typically uh, most med plans. I'm paying the full amount before I hit my deductible. So I'm paying maybe $502. It's still 500 bucks. It's hitting the system where if it's Medicare, it's dramatically lower. And so the way a reference-based pricing plan works, and I'm keeping this really simple because it doesn't need to be complicated. You're leveraging that strategy for your employees. When they go to use services, you're paying dramatically less for the services. Now, in exchange for this dramatically lower cost of services, guess what happens to your premium? Your premium goes down, right? Because you've dropped the cost, in some cases, hundreds, hundreds of percent. So in exchange, well, I don't need to be putting as much money into the pot, so to speak, for premiums because not as much is coming out in claims, so my premiums can be lower. And again, it can be fixed monthly. So you're paying the same amount as a company and the employees are paying the same amount for 12 months. It's not fluctuating, but it's based on a different strategy. There are some pitfalls though. More, you need, this needs more education. Um, employees need to understand a little bit how it works. There may be a few more issues along the way. It's a trade-off, right? Now, in terms of networks, like who can you go to? Oh, I need to be able to go to my doctor. Most of the time, that's not the issue. Like the networks that they're, so to speak, renting 
are very similar networks and providers that you have access to now for the most part. So you're not, it's not like, oh, you can only go to Dr. Smith 18 miles away if you need a diabetes treatment. No, it's not that, right? Because any provider that accepts Medicare will accept reference-based pricing. Did you hear that? So where are Medicare patients? Everywhere. Everywhere in the nation. Every nook and cranny. So guess what? Dr. Bob Smith in the middle of Idaho takes care of Mary Smith that's 92 on Medicare. He accepts. He has to, right? For the most part, I shouldn't say he has to. Let me back that up. Facilities don't have to take Medicare, but most do. 90 plus percent do. That means your network is unlimited. There's really no network. So here's the piece of nugget. There is no network on reference-based pricing because any provider that accepts Medicare has to accept your plan. Now you're paying more, remember? What percentage? 130%, 150%, maybe in that range. They're getting a little more than Medicare. So we're not trying to just pay them nothing but Medicare. They're getting more than Medicare, but if they accept Medicare, they have to accept your insurance, which is a huge network, right? Forget networks. You basically go anywhere. That's called reference-based pricing. How big do you have to be? You can be as small as, I think it's 10 employees enrolled, maybe 15 enrolled. So really small. Now, the trade-offs are you may need to go through some underwriting. And you may have to turn in some questionnaires, which means the employee fills out a little form. These are not big deals. There are 12 to 15 questions. Uh, typically, there's no blood work. There's no stress test. It's questionnaire. With, so that questionnaire, based on your data, the insurance company takes that in and looks at risk and goes, wow, okay, this is a great group because people are pretty healthy. There's a few issues. You know, it's not, some people have some high blood pressure, but pretty, pretty much a good deal. Approved. And here's your rate based on you. So if you're a really healthy group or someone that doesn't have a lot of issues or you just want to see, hey, what, is it, what do we compare to? You're going to get a rate based on you, not your community pool, not the types of companies in your city, your people. It's phenomenally impressive. But there are some pitfalls, right? There's education. You got to get people past this Medicare thing. But hey, if my premium as an employee went from 100 dollars a paycheck for my employee only coverage to zero because the company saves so much money i think i'd be willing to spend a little time learning about it when that's a twenty five hundred dollar savings in my to my family per year right so okay i'm willing to listen you're telling me my health care is free now the company's paying 100 percent because you've saved so much money so that's the third pillar so we got fully insured self-insured rbp Right? Reference-based pricing. So is there any more, John? I'll wrap up with this. There is. There's a fourth step. And it's what's called a consortium. What the hell's a consortium? You may have to look it up like I did. I heard this for the first time. Like, what? A consortium is like a big group of people, like buying power, you know, is it I don't know, is it oh is it is it all associations? Like what is a consortium? Essentially, this is your ability to join an existing pool of employees from around the country, from all industries. Like this is not an association-based thing. This is just a pool of people that have been deemed to be pretty good risk. And what you do is you get approved. And the way you get approved has nothing to do with questionnaires. You get approved with a census file. This This is huge. 
So typically, if you have a company that, say, has 52 employees on medical, 70 total, I'm talking to a plumbing company right now, if you want to get um, quotes for any kind of self-funded or RBP or anything like that, you have to have each employee turn in some kind of questionnaire, go online and fill out a form. The form is not a big deal, but getting every single person to do it is the big deal. Right. Hey, man, I'm out fixing plumbing stuff and you mean I got to go home and do this form. It's just a step that needs to be done. It's not impossible, but it's a step. You don't get that step. You don't get your rates. A consortium based plan. There's no questionnaire. They look at your data from a census and it's basically your name, your gender, your date of birth and your home zip code. That's all they need. And they can give you rates based on their modeling. So it's simple. Like, hey, you want a rate? Boom. Let me get the census with no big deal. Send it over and they get you back your rates. And you can, you can basically design whatever plan you want. Remember the network I talked about? You can pick your network. So that's the, that's the ultimate level. And guess what? Companies have been using these consortiums for years, but the big companies have, not the little ones. Most of you never heard of this, maybe. You know, I, it, it, until recently, I didn't know about it. I thought they were doing something when like Walmart's negotiating, but, or they're doing something with these big groups. What are they doing though? Well, if you're not in that market, you're never going to learn it. So those are the four steps. That means wherever you are right now, if you want to be like, hey, let me see, let me see what's available. And you got 10% of your brain open to, all right, I'm really skeptical, John, but I'm going to listen. Then reach out to us. I can do a cost model. I can do a no cost analysis. It doesn't always work, right? There are some times when it's just not the right fit. And the answer might be, you have a pretty good deal now. Like there's not much room. And that's good news. You go to sleep at night. Like, hey, we're doing pretty much the best we can. Not that it's impossible, but to to get better. But compared to the average, compared to all my peers, I'm in the top 2%. That's good to know. And sometimes that's the answer. That came up. Yesterday, I was modeling a company to see if there's some new strategies that we can bring to the table, and they're already doing so well. It's like we can't squeeze much more out in that area because you've really nailed it. And this is a client we just started working with. So, um, mull that over, listen to this a couple times. I would say, you know, get some free modeling, get some free analysis, get a second opinion. I don't know what you want to call it. For some reason, this industry. And the, and the players in this industry are so hesitant to get a second opinion. And it's so totally different when you go to buy a car. Like you get five, you, you spend five days going to all the dealerships getting, getting quotes and rates. And it's a $32,000 car. But yet you have someone willing to do an analysis when you're spending $720,000 a year on your health plan. You're like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. I trust my guy. I trust my girl. Well, I trust my people too, but I'm like, damn, man, you tell me if I could save 200 grand and have better benefits, I'm not willing to look at that. And here's the last piece I'll say, and not meant at all to be um, any kind of scared, twist your arm tactic, but if you have a self-funded plan, you have a fiduciary responsibility to manage that money just like you do your 401k. Most people don't know that. Under ERISA, you have a fiduciary responsibility to your employees. And to me... What that means, and I have health insurance for my company, but we have full insurance because we're a small, we have three, four people, five people on our plan. So that's, we're doing the best we can based on our size today. But man, if I had self-funded, I would at least be able to say, look, I looked at this, 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 and this. I analyzed everything. I took all the emotion out. I don't care if I love Bob to death and play golf every day with him. 
I am looking at this and it's the same thing you have to do with your 401k because what's happening on that, if you've not seen, is companies are um, being overcharged on fees, one and a half, two percent fees. You're like, oh, what's the big deal? The big deal is it's wiping out 40% of the, the growth of the funds that your employees put their money in. And then someone comes in and says, um, I just want to check your, you know, see if you've done what fiduciary wise you had to do. Show me the analysis. And you're like, uh, I don't know. I use the guy from, from Hancock. I've known him since high school. I've never really looked at anything. That is not a position you ever want to be in as a business owner or an executive. So that's my last tip. My name is John Millen with Benefit Hackers, millengroup.com. You can find me on LinkedIn and online if you need any help. Look forward to talking. Have a great day.